Well, hello. Thank you for joining us tonight. This is Brother John with Eliaship Power Ministries coming to you with a Sunday edition. It is about 8.15 on the East Coast of the United States. And we are here to talk to you about Reeducating America on Race and Racism. That is our new series. Tonight, this one's a little different. This is not what we planned to be one of our first episodes. Um, of course, unless you've been under a rock, you know that the renowned, heroic representative in the United States Congress, Representative John Robert Lewis, has passed away. And all last week, we saw several of several memorial services dedicated to honor him and his fantastic, heroic, courageous life. So his death takes preeminence over what we had planned because this man was an American icon, a very much recognized leader throughout the entire world, and his accomplishments in life are extensive to say the least very extensive so what we're going to do tonight we're going to take a few moments and we're going to recognize him as the first african-american leader that we'd like to highlight and that is united states representative john robert lewis who was born february 24th 21st i'm sorry 1940 and of course he just passed away July 17th, 2020. He served in Congress from 1987 until his death from the great state of Georgia, from Georgia's 5th District. And I, I tell you, he was one of my personal heroes. I loved watching him and listening to him speak. The things he did as a young man, fighting for civil rights, and trying to bring a better world for everyone. And let me make one clarification. Just because a person is of a certain ethnicity or race and they're fighting for equal rights, that movement that he was a part of, that he helped organize, matter of fact, he was one of what they call the big six leaders back in 1963 who organized the March on Washington. So he had his hands all over that for Dr. Martin Luther King. He and Dr. Martin Luther King marched together side by side and, um, of course, were harassed and beaten up and attacked and oppressed side by side as well. You know, one of the most famous marches was over that Edmund Pettus Bridge from Selma to Montgomery in 1965. You know, there were three marches from Selma to Montgomery and it, he was at the tip of the spear he was at the tip of the spear and you know being one of the leaders of of SNCC which was one of the organizations that was a nonviolent organization designed solely to protest for equal rights 
you know, SNCC meaning the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. So he was the actual chairman from 1963 to 1966. And of course, his, his fight for equal rights never stopped until the day he, he passed away. Um, it just never stopped. The man was tireless. And unfortunately, having contracted pancreatic cancer, it, that was the only thing that could slow him down. Even at the age of 80. And so he he was an icon, a pillar of American history. It, we have to make that distinction. We just can't say African-American history. That's just so dismissive to me because he, he's an American. He was an American and he affected the lives of so many people, not just African-Americans, but look at his support system. Look at all of the the. My brother, my Caucasian brothers and sisters who supported him. And not just Caucasian, but Hispanic and Asian and everyone else who had a moral compass to reach out and want to do the right thing and have equal rights for all. You know, this man, I, I saw him when Barack Obama, President Barack Obama was in office and he was actually walking into office i believe this was in 2009 could have been early 2010 when he and several other representatives they were trying to get into the halls of congress and this man was spit upon we're, we're talking 2009 2010 spit upon by by elements of the that that right-wing group what do they call themselves can't believe I can't think of the name of that group. But anyway, um, he was spit upon by by members of these these right wing groups that wanted to do away with the Affordable Care Act. You remember when they had that big march up in Washington? These 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 folks. Uh, I can't believe I can't think of them. But they they wanted to end the Affordable Care Act before it even really got started. And so I tell you what, they came there with their placards with Barack Obama's face and the body of a monkey. I remember seeing it and with all types of racial slurs and insults. Now, these are the same people who are in church every weekend talking about God. I'm just being honest. Look, on this channel, on this show, on this podcast or however you're watching it, maybe on YouTube, what have you. I'm only going to be straightforward and I don't sugarcoat much. And when I do, it's only a pinch of sugar. <laughs> it's not even a full spoonful. Okay. So I'm here to tell you, I mean, it, it is what it is. Those people came and they, they raised pure hell on the Washington mall. I dare you to go to YouTube and look at pictures of the March on Washington by those right wing groups. Now, I'm saying right wing, but just keep in mind now and full disclaimer, I'm an independent voter. OK, so if you say, well, he's just a Democrat talking, you know, and against us or what have you know. No, because I've voted both Republican and Democrat. It, it, I don't get caught up in someone telling me where my vote should go. I don't do that. 
no talking head is going to tell me where my vote should go because too many people died, uh, bled, beaten up, and everything in between so that I could have the right to vote. So I don't take my right to vote very lightly at all. Not at all. If there is a candidate that stands on things I'm interested in, and I believe that person is going to make good on his promises. I will vote, vote for that person regardless of party. Some people may have a problem with that. But to me, that's what my vote means is I don't need to be pigeonholed by any party. OK, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. And so and John Lewis was a great part of me fight me having that right to vote so i honor him tonight and i'm going to read just a little bit about his life so that i can put this in perspective for you of what a great and wonderful man he was and just how how powerful he was and the respect he garnered not just in his home state of georgia or in the united states but all over the world all over the world People knew who John Robert Lewis was. So I'm going to read this and I'm going to read some of this from Wikipedia. OK, there are so many books out about John Lewis and other civil rights activists and just notable men and women of peace. I mean, I'm sure you can go to Amazon or you go to eBay and find your own books. But I'm going to read this and I'm going to read it verbatim. Just to give you an idea of who this wonderful man is and why we're pausing our regularly scheduled show under the title, the series, Re-Educating America on Race and Racism. And so tonight, if we were to title this, it would be Re-Educating America on Race and Racism, colon, John Robert Lewis. Uh, pardon me, U.S. Representative John Robert Lewis. So I'm going to dive in. So let's go. As I told you, he was born February 21st, 1940, and he died, unfortunately, July 17, 2020. He was an American politician and civil rights leader who served in the United States House of Representatives for Georgia's 5th Congressional District from 1987 until his death in 2020 from pancreatic cancer. Lewis served as the chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee from 1963 to 1966 and as i already mentioned to you he was one of the big six leaders of groups who organized the 1963 march on washington and he fulfilled many key roles in the civil rights movement and his actions to end legalized racial segregation in the united states in 1965 lewis led the first of three selma to montgomery marches across the edmund pettus bridge now side note edmund pettus was one of the leaders of the Ku Klux Klan. And they named the bridge after this guy. I mean, I guess it's not too alarming when you look at all of the statues and plaques and monuments to so many races in the United States from post-Civil War era, era and Civil War era and prior. I mean, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising. And I continue. In an incident which became known as Bloody Sunday, state troopers, police, 
state troopers and police then attacked the marchers, including Lewis. A member of the Democratic Party, Lewis was first elected to Congress in 1986 and served for 17 terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. Due to his length of service, he became the dean of the Georgia Congressional Delegation. The district he, district he represented includes the northern three-quarters of Atlanta. He was a leader of the Democratic Party in the U.S. House of Representatives, serving from 1991 as a chief deputy whip and from 2003 as senior chief deputy whip. Lewis received many honorary degrees and awards, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which I knew he did. Uh, John Robert Lewis was, as I already told you, he was born, he was born right outside of Troy, Alabama, the third of 10 children of Willie May and Eddie Lewis. His parents were sharecroppers in rural Pike County, Alabama. As a boy, he aspired to be a preacher. At age five, he was preaching to his family's chickens on the farm. As a young child, he had little interaction with white people. By the time he was six, he had only, he had only seen two white people in his entire life. As he grew older, he began taking trips into town with his family, where he experienced racism and segregation, such as at the public library in Troy. Lewis had relatives who lived in northern cities, and he learned from them that the North had integrated schools, buses, and businesses. When he was 11, an uncle took him on a trip to Buffalo, Buffalo, New York, that is, making him more acutely aware of Troy's segregation. In 1955, he heard Martin Luther King Jr. on the radio, and he closely followed King's Montgomery bus boycott later that year. At age 15, he preached his first public sermon. He met Rosa Parks when he was 17 and met King for the first time when he was 18. He graduated from the American Baptist Theological Seminary in Nashville, Tennessee, and was ordained as a Baptist minister. He then received a bachelor's degree in religion and philosophy, I'm sorry, philosophy from Fisk University. He was a member of Phi Beta Sigma fraternity. He did not receive a driver's license until he was in his 40s and was driven around by Grant Lewis, his younger brother. Now, I didn't know that part about the, the driver's license. He didn't get one until he was 40. And so, you know, this man, this great man was a part of all manner of movements. I mean... He was a member of the Freedom Rides. And if you don't know what the Freedom Rides is, I'll I just tell you a little bit about, you know, there were many people who were part of Freedom Rides. And um, they call them Freedom Riders. And it was a great, great deal back then because, you know, these individuals would take bus trips to different cities and uh, they, would, they would protest. And so I'm going to read a little bit to you about <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, about his experience with the Freedom Riders. So in 1961, he became one of the 13 original Freedom Riders. They were, there, they were seven whites and six blacks who were determined to ride from Washington, D.C. to New Orleans in an integrated faction. At that time, several southern states continued to enforce laws prohibiting black and white riders from sitting next to each other on public transportation couldn't even sit next to a white person couldn't even sit next to a white person it's ridiculous ridiculous couldn't even sit next to a white person but if you think about it but those white people 
from an era before him, they had no problem sleeping with black women. They had no problem raping black women and children. I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I don't want to even go into the Thomas Jefferson thing with, with Sally Hemings. I mean, that was okay, but can't sit next to him. So you have sex with us, but you can't sit next to us in public. So disgraceful and disrespectful. But anyway, I digress. And so the Freedom Ride originated by the Fellowship of Reconciliation and revived by James Farmer and the Congress of Racial Equality, which is called CORE, C-O-R-E. Uh, that was initiated to pressure the federal government to enforce the Supreme Court decision in Boynton versus Virginia in 1960 that declared segregation interstate bus travel to be unconstitutional. The Freedom Rides also exposed the passivity of the government regarding violence against citizens of the country who were, who were simply acting in accordance with the law. The federal government had trusted the notoriously racist Alabama police to protect the riders. <laughs> That's like saying, hey, burglar. Why don't you go over there and protect that house? Here's the key. Unbelievable. But that but did nothing itself except to have FBI agents take notes. So the federal government, they were complicit. Okay, and let me read that to you again just so to hammer the, the point home. The federal government had trusted the notoriously racist Alabama police to protect the riders, but did nothing itself except to have FBI agents take notes. The Kennedy administration then called for a cooling off period with a moratorium on freedom rides. And in the South, Lewis and other nonviolent freedom riders were beaten by angry mobs multiple times, by the way, arrested at times and taken to jail. At age 21, Lewis was the first of the freedom riders to be assaulted while in Rock Hill, South Carolina. He tried to enter White's only waiting room and two white men attacked him, injuring his face and kicking him in the ribs. Nevertheless, only two weeks later, Lewis joined a freedom ride that was bound for Jackson, Mississippi. We were determined. This, this is his, his quote. This is his words. These are his words. We were determined not to let any act of violence keep us from our, from our goal. We knew our lives could be threatened, but we had made up our minds not to turn back, Lewis said towards the end of his life in regards, in regard to his perseverance following the act of violence. Lewis was also in prison for 40 days in the Mississippi State Penitentiary in Sunflower County after participating in a Freedom Riders activity in that state. In an interview with CNN during the 40th anniversary of the Freedom Rides, Lewis recounted the amount of violence he and the 12 other original Freedom Riders endured. In Birmingham, the riders were beaten with baseball bats, chains, lead pipes, and stones. They were arrested by police who led them across the border into Tennessee and let them go. They reorganized and rode to Montgomery where they were met with more violence and Lewis was hit in the head with a wooden crate. His words again, quote, it was very violent. I thought I was going to die. I was left lying on the Greyhound bus station in Montgomery unconscious, end quote, said Lewis, remembering the incident. When Cora gave up on the freedom ride because of the violence, Lewis and fellow activist Diane Nash arranged for the Nashville students to take it over and bring it to a successful conclusion. In February of 2009, 48 years after he was bloodied in a Greyhound station during a freedom ride, Lewis received a nationally televised apology from a white Southerner and former Klansman, Elwin Wilson. Well, thank you, Mr. Wilson. 
Now, how, how often do you hear that, that a Klansman actually apologized? So he received a national apology. I remember this from a white Southerner and former Klansman, Elwin Wilson. Lewis wrote in 2015 that he personally knew Michael Schwerner and Andrew Goodman, who, along with James Cheney, were abducted and murdered in June in 1964 in Neshoba County, Mississippi, by members of the Ku Klux Klan. Now, if you don't know what that's a reference to, there was one black person, James Cheney, and two, two white people, Jews, Michael Schwerner and Andrew Goodman. They were in <coughs> excuse me, Mississippi trying to, to protest about equality. Now, these three men ended up being shot point blank range in the heart at least the two white men were the two white men Mr. Michael Schwerner and Andrew Goodman were shot point blank in the chest however with James Cheney being a black man before they killed him they castrated him look I'm just going to tell you I know it's cruel and it's horrible and it's 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 painful it's disgusting but i'm telling you what happened if i don't tell you the the truth about what happened to these men in my mind i am dishonoring their death because these men were heroes these men were courageous okay james cheney was castrated he was mutilated he was beaten then he was shot and all three were put into a vehicle and that vehicle was buried in a ravine and they they ended up finding these men after several days of them being missing they found the car where their bodies lay and and see a story like that it makes you wonder well what about all the men and women that went missing at that time and they were never found. That's just three. That's just three. So I tell you. And this goes on, it goes on about his work. And and I, I just want you to know that this man, I mean, to talk about all of his accomplishments. It's very extensive, very extensive. And I would encourage you to read about this great man, this, this fantastic individual who loved everybody. And I have to put that out there. Loved everybody, black and white, it didn't matter. This, this man, this Baptist minister, this, this civil rights activist, this powerful giant, powerful giant in courage and heart, not in stature. Because he wasn't very tall nor very big, but his courage, his heart, his mind was as big as any you'll ever find on the face of this earth. More so even. So, I mean, at one point in his life, he moved to New York. Um, you know, he, 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 he just did so many things. He became the director of Voter Education Project, VEEP. And he held that position for several years, almost about a decade. I mean, you're talking about a young man who became an older man who spent his entire life dedicated to America. Dedicated to America. And, you know, he took over from another notable 
U.S. Congressman Andrew Young of Georgia's 5th con Congressional District in order to become the U.S. Ambassador for President Jimmy Carter. And so, I mean, you're talking about a man who was filled with grace and love in his heart. And when you hear him speak, just was so humble, so humble, humble, but matter of fact. I mean, look, don't get it twisted. <laughs> Representative Lewis didn't play any games and he didn't hold many punches. And, and the thing about it, he was just so graceful when he said what he needed to say. And he said it without hatred, which is something that many in politics should learn today is you can say something about an opponent that is truthful and it doesn't have to come from a position of hatred. And this man was a praying man. Yes. And and I'm here to tell you, you know, we're, we're losing so many leaders, both black and white. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not trying to ascribe to, you know, anything racial. I, but again, the series is reeducating America on race and racism because there's so much of it. And we have to learn to get along with each other. We're going to destroy each other. We're going to destroy what has taken so many years to build. And even now there are movements in Congress to do away with some of the gains we've made. I mean, I, I don't get it. And from a scriptural standpoint, 1 John 4 verse 20 says, how, how can you say you love God, but you see your brother every day and you hate him? How? How is that possible? Maybe somebody will be able to tell me one day, but I don't see it. How does the love of God dwell in you when you look at someone that's different from you and you hate them, but yet you'll go to church and you'll praise God? Who are you worshiping? Who are you praising? Who are you reading about during the week that you have the calmness and the unmitigated gall, if I will, to to think that it's okay for you to dislike someone based upon their culture, the way they speak, the way they look, um, even their beliefs. Who are you? I, I just I just it just boggles my mind how people get so deceived. I mean, if you're reading your, your word like you're supposed to be reading your word. Second, second Timothy chapter three lists a bunch of people who it says you're not going and see I go by the word I do I do and let me correct something real quick he didn't directly take over from Andrew Young even though he did get that US congressional seat later actually he he lost his first bid but so let me clarify that he lost his first bid for that seat after Andrew Young went to go be the ambassador for for uh, President Jimmy Carter but obviously, he eventually got the seat. I mean, he served since 1987 in that seat. And I mean, he successfully defended that, that seat for 17 terms. Right. So, I, I tell you, you know, a man like this who was always gracious, even in the face of adversity, animosity, hatred, um, oppression, and being attacked and spit on. 
This is a role model for everyone, regardless of your background, regardless of your ethnicity. You know, me personally, I'll listen to anyone as long as they're telling the truth. I don't care where they come from. I don't care who they who they who they support in politics or or well, I won't say who they support. I mean, if you support David Duke, I got a problem with you. But I mean, if you have something good to say that's beneficial to us all, I don't care what you look like. I don't I don't care where you come from. I don't care because no man is an island and I'm all about learning from different people and learning from different cultures because that's only going to help me grow. Because I have an open mind. I love the Lord and I love people. So I don't know how you can love the Lord and not love people or not have a heart for people. I, I don't understand that. And you cannot let politics circumvent God's truth. And that's the main reason why I'm an independent voter. Now, once in my life, and I've got full disclosure, once in my life, I said, you know what? I'm going to go be a Republican because I had many Republican friends and I still do. But I could just never, I could just never do it. I could just never do it. Not because I said I didn't like the Republican Party. No, because like I said, I voted for Republicans before and I vote for Democrats. But being an independent voter, in other words, being open-minded is the way I view it. I feel more safe. I'm sorry. I just feel more comfortable. And yes, you know, uh, you know, when, when you look at everything that's going on right now and the, the vitriol, the animosity, the hatred, the rise of racism and anti-Semitism and the just total lack of disrespect. I, I, I just shake my head and I raise my hand I say Lord fix it and then we're losing a man like John Lewis and we we've lost other powerful civil rights leaders Lord have mercy and I, I tell you I don't know if you're not trusting in God and I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but if you're not trusting God, I would encourage you to do that. I strongly encourage you to do that. I mean, John Lewis did. Look how far he got. Look at this man. This man is beloved all over this country. This man is loved. Not because he harbored hatred of what people did to him. And continue to do to him until his dying death, if I truth be told. I mean, to his dying breath. But because of the love he showed everybody, including those who were in opposition to him. Think about what I said to you earlier. In 2009, this man sat down with the Ku Klux Klan leader who had oppressed him. He had the grace to do that. But where are the leaders today who have the grace to sit down with people who disagree with them? Where are the leaders who are able to do that today? We need leaders who are going to say, I don't agree with Brother John. 
But you know what? I think he's a decent person. I may disagree with him on this particular issue or that particular issue. Or I may not like what he said about this particular issue. But I think he's a decent person. And I'll sit down and I'll talk to him about our differences. And when we get up from the table, we can shake hands. And we can find some common ground. Where is that leadership? Where is that leadership? Where's the leadership that says this person lived in opposition to me? They didn't vote for me, but I have the grace to at least call their family where they've passed away because this person was this person was an American hero, an icon. So I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I disagree with Brother John, but I'm sorry for your loss. He was a fantastic American. Where is that? Where's the integrity? Where's the grace? Where's the mercy? And you know, as an evangelical myself, I can't follow anything that doesn't have grace. I, I cannot do it because so much grace has been poured out upon me in my own personal life. I cannot be around anything that does not exude grace. I cannot do that. That would make me a contradiction to my own life. Can't do it. Not at all. I trust God too much. And I, I believe in God. And I believe humanity has it within them or us, however you want to think of it, to do better. We can all do better. We can all do better. And so John Lewis laid to rest last week, powerful American icon. He's going to be sorely missed. I'm telling you right now. I saw I saw President George W. Bush at one of the memorial services who eulogized John Lewis, a Democrat, George W. Bush, Republican. He was there. He said graceful words. He spoke, he, he spoke truthful words. I respect President George W. Bush. I, I have respected him for a long time. I think I even voted for him if I go back and look. I mean, I tell you, what, I respect that man. I do. Did I like everything he did? No. But he had the grace. He had the grace to show up at the memorial service and speak words over an American icon. I will always respect him for that. I will always respect him for that. I saw President Bill Clinton there. He said gracious words. I saw President Barack Obama there. He said gracious, gracious words. I don't recall seeing President Jimmy Carter. Jimmy, President Jimmy Carter is over 90 years old, y'all. I mean, I give him a break. I mean, he gets a forever pass. If he doesn't feel like going somewhere, if he's busy with his Habitat for Humanity or something, hey, he gets a forever pass. This man is so busy at well over 90 years old. It's unbelievable. I pray to God I have that type of vigor and strength. Should the Lord spare my life to live that long. So, hey, look, President Jimmy Carter, he doesn't have to go anywhere. He doesn't want to go, period. He gets a pass. Sorry. He gets a straight up pass. But Congressman George John Lewis, I mean, he was a caucus member. 
of over 40 caucuses, including the Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease Caucus, Congressional Structured Settlements Caucus, Congressional Black Caucus, Congressional Progressive Caucus, Congressional Brazil Caucus, Congressional Arts Caucus, and on and on and on and on. And in 1991, he became the senior chief deputy whip in the Democratic caucus. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was always busy. Always busy. And, uh, wow. I mean, he introduced a bill to create a National African American Museum in Washington. And, and that bill failed. And for 15 years, he continued to introduce it. But each time it was blocked in the Senate. Of course it was. Largely by conservative Southern Senator, guess who? Jesse Helms. Jesse Helms. And in 2002, Helms did not seek re-election. Lewis gained bipartisan support. And in 2003, President George W. Bush signed the bill to establish the museum with the Smithsonian's Board of Regents to establish the location. The National Museum of African American History and Culture, located adjacent to the Washington Memorial, held its opening ceremony on September 25, 2016. You can thank Judge John Robert Lewis for the National Museum of African American History and Culture. You can thank him for that because he didn't give up the fight. And again, there's more and more and more about this man's life. More and more about his life. And I don't know, I never met anyone who went to that museum and they their lives were not changed. If you go in there and you see the things inside that museum. Matter of fact, I know someone personally, a Caucasian woman. She and, and members of her family went to this museum and their lives were changed. This person was close to me. And their lives were changed because I, I think when we when we have such when we have an opportunity to open our eyes and expand our mind, it, it will change us. It will change us because we have to reeducate ourselves when you constantly hear negative things about an entire group of people and you grow up that way. Look, once you become an adult, that's on you. So I don't I don't buy into that notion. Well, he grew up that way. So it's it. No, no, no. Let me tell you, when you become an adult, you can make your own decisions. I don't want to hear that. You have an opportunity because the world today is so much smaller with the Internet and the way we communicate with each other. I don't want to hear that. I mean, I think that today in 2020 is just nothing more than a cop out. Don't tell me you grew up a certain way. There are many people who grew up a certain way, but they had the the constitution, if you will, to open their mind and expand and grow and see what's on the other side, not just hear about what's on the other side. And matter of fact, there shouldn't even be a other side. It should just be us. It should just be us, the human race. But that's not how it is. That's not how it is. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and end the broadcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. God bless you. Again, this is Brother John. And we're talking about re-educating America on race and racism. And we highlighted the powerful, the American icon, the world-renowned icon, John Robert Lewis, who passed away July 17, 2020. 
And so we're going to come back with another show talking about re-educating America on race and racism. This was pretty much the first show in the series. And we hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, hey, and we you like our style or you have suggestions, go ahead and subscribe to us. We're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're we're on Red Circle, we're on quite a few places, we're on Breaker. I mean We're just trying to get truth out, that's all. We're just trying to get truth out and, and hopefully bring people of different cultures and ethnicities together. Because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, when we recognize our differences and realize that we're made different for a reason, I think we become stronger. Because then we can rely on one another for the strengths that, that we individually don't have. We can help cover up some of those weaknesses and maybe eliminate them because we're re-educating ourselves. And I just pray to God that that happens. And I pray for my country. I pray for everyone who loves this country. I even pray for people who, who don't. I pray for people who might be in opposition to, to groups of people who are different from them. Because I think it's important that we pray for people like that. So let's continue to do that. I mean, if you're really an evangelical, maybe you're not. That's fine if you're not. I hope you enjoy the show. And I hope you come back. We want you back. You're important. You're very important. And so all I can say is God bless you. God bless America. And Jesus is still on the throne. And if you don't know who he is, I'm bold enough to tell you that I know who he is. And I'm bold enough to tell you that Romans... Chapter 10, verse 8 through 13 says that the word is near you, even in your mouth, that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross, he rose again, you shall be saved. Period. That's it. Just ask God to forgive you your sins. Be your Lord and Savior. Teach you his word. He'll change your life. Change mine. And so again, this is Brother John signing out. God bless and keep you. I'm praying for you. And stay safe. COVID-19 is still alive and well out there. Wear your mask. Wear your PPE. Pray for our first responders. Okay? Because they need that. And if you can bless one of them, bless them. Okay? Be safe. Take care.